Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, I talk with Pastor Kenny, who's on the road this week. We talk about the importance of illustrations and the consideration of an audience in selecting those illustrations and our discussion of Galatians chapter 4. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, well, we're here uh, today with uh, Pastor Kenny, but Kenny is not in uh, in his armchair with the Armchair Preaching Podcast. Uh, Kenny, <laughs> Kenny is joining me via telephone, and uh, he is uh, on a little mini vacation, so it's good that Kenny's uh, able to join us in, in this way and talk through our, our message from this past Sunday. So thanks, thanks for joining us, uh, Kenny. Absolutely. Happy Monday, everyone. Um, so before we get, we were in uh, Galatians chapter 4 this week, and um, before we actually jump into the message, I want to talk a little bit about um, illustrations and audience, because we actually switched, uh, we actually switched congregations this past Sunday, um, up to this point, the first three weeks, I've been preaching in Classic, Kenny's been preaching in Vine. This Sunday, we switched. And so, Kenny, let's talk about how you think through illustrations and how a, uh, an audience, the audience kind of impacts your use of illustrations and the kind of illustrations you use. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it's uh, part of the trick is... I mean, there's there's probably lots of, of, of uh, considerations when you're thinking about an illustration. One is, you know, what's the what's the point you're trying to get across, and what illustration best makes that point. But then there is always that last thing, and that all of that really depends on the audience. And so, for example, I opened up my sermon um, looking uh, using the illustration of. The movie, or uh, started out as a cartoon, and then a radio show, and then Broadway, and then finally a movie. But um, Annie, and yeah. so I had to think through: was that going to be something that most people in the congregation would at least have some category or some uh, reference for? And so, once again, I could have thought of a lot of different movies or clips or um, stories that had an orphan because I was preaching on our adoption into the family of God. So I was trying to come up with something that, that got us into the topic of adoption or an orphan experience, that sort of thing. Probably could have thought of a lot of other examples, but mm -hmm. I felt like that had the broadest appeal given the age ranges of the people in the classic services that I was preaching. Yeah, and, and you closed with an illustration from The Help. Yeah, and same thing. That was a that was a movie out in 2011, and it also had a very wide range of appeal. It wasn't um, it wasn't something that you know the the teen and early twenty something culture would have been the only people to seen it. It was it just had a wide appeal, and so you know the classic services at our church do have a wide age range, and so mm -hmm. that also I felt like was a movie that they once again it was a novel that I know many of them probably at least had read. 
uh, or the movie or had seen the movie. And so I felt like um, it, I could use it and there probably would be some, most people would at least have a reference for it. And in both cases, I still feel the responsibility, even if most people had seen it or read the book, I still give the basic plot of both. Yeah, you have to. So that, so that people can at least get context if they haven't seen it um, or read the book. I don't want to assume, and then they'll miss the point of the illustration either. Yeah. So you always have to kind of build that in, even if you feel like most people have seen it or read it. Yeah, yeah, and, and which I, was what you did with the opening scene of you know what the movie clip that you used. You built in the background so people could get it and understand yeah. it. And, yeah, and for those that 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 uh, weren't there, I, I used for the opening. I used a uh, actually used a movie clip, which is a, there's an advantage uh, in doing those sorts of things in Vine because you can actually show parts of it. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, uh, for, for from my standpoint, I was taking, wasn't taking the whole uh, plot of Back to the Future 3, which is the clip that I used, but I was taking one particular aspect of it um, where someone's trying to be kind of roused out of a stupor. And I was tying that back to the whole idea uh, from last week's message and from last week's passage about the Galatians really being uh, bewitched in, in a stupor um, with this false teaching and that they needed this wake up call and how, mm -hmm. and how, uh, and how, uh, how Paul uses pretty dramatic methods to get people's attention. Um, yeah. when you are, when we're thinking about illustrations, especially, um, you know, you, you and I both come from a school where personal illustrations are okay and, and, it hasn't always been that way. You know, old preaching technique was like you never use a personal illustration. Um, mm -hmm. But now, now, now both pop culture references and personal illustrations are kind of part of our, our toolbox. Um, yeah. So why do you think that's changed? Um, and why do you think, why do you think it's uh, become effective to use those personal illustrations? Um, I, I'm not really sure what's shifted over the years and why that was the case, uh, that you're right. There was kind of a, uh, an unspoken, um, rule against that kind of transparency. And I, I guess, uh, I don't know if it was a, an attempt to try to protect, uh, a perception or an image of the pastor as, um, that there's some distinction that needs to be made. And so if you share personal stories or you allow people access into the details of your life that, you know, you risk losing credibility or I don't, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I think it's very effective. And I think the only, the only balance, uh, and I think you and I have even talked about this even in, in, in how we use them and how often we use them. Um, is is the purpose yeah. i don't think either one of us uses those to shine a light on us or exalt us in some way yeah. in fact most of the time the examples we're using are negative examples yeah. examples where we've blown it or made mistakes or sinned in certain ways yeah and we're just trying to use our life as kind of a living canvas to say hey we get it we understand it and here's here's how this is going to play out in your life possibly mm -hmm. i just think it's a much easier it's a much more personal connection, and I think when it's when it's a personal story versus a, like a chicken soup for the soul yeah. kind of you know, it, there's a lot of um, 
anecdotal kind of cute stories that are out there, but I just think you lose something when it's disconnected from any real reality. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, I mean, you, I think that's the word, right? It's not real, right? I mean, when, when you, in your sermon, you were talking about the adoption, uh, the, the adoption process that you, you and Jenny went through and the illustration of the time period in which Kobe was living with you, but he wasn't, it hadn't been, it hadn't been finished. It hadn't been the, the, all the paperwork, it hadn't become accomplished. And then something changes, you know, when the yeah. judge issues that order and the status goes, it's not temporary. It's not uh, individual. And I think that, that, that was a, you know, that's a powerful example of how sometimes we, we're kind of like living in the house of God, but we're not acting yeah. like an heir of God, you know, we're not acting like an heir of God's family. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, um, that's, I think that was, a, a, that's a powerful example of saying, this is this idea of adoption and orphan and, and being an orphan, how we sometimes still live like orphans, and then you atti- you tied that to um, the application process. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I use the example of the patterns that I see in my own life with, uh, you know, my high school days, my pre my pre conversion, pre Christ days, and how those same patterns popped up after I was came of faith. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, I think you're right. It's the authenticity. It's the reality. And I don't, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm like you, I'm not a hundred percent sure where that comes from. Uh, why the, the, why it was so discouraged in the past, but I imagine it was something about the control and, and being, um, the perception kind of piece there too. So, well, let's, yeah, let's, yeah. let's, uh, we've d- talked a little bit about it. We've kind of danced around it a little bit, but let's talk about this week's, um, sermon this week's chapter galatians chapter three we uh uh, we focused on a little bit different uh passages uh, again in chapter three so talk to me about um your your process about choosing that pat that section that pericope you you really focused on galatians the first part of the galatians three or sorry galatians four um, passage. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your process and thinking through that and then some of the, the elements that you were really trying to bring out. Yeah, so when you and I originally planned the series, um, we had decided that when we got to this week four, we would be looking at the passage that you ultimately did end up preaching on, which was this idea that uh, although Paul comes on strong, um, he's willing to be transparent and then talk about his weakness, mm-hmm. um, which is a which is a, a very powerful and important topic. But when I started thinking about um, preaching and and making the switch from behind a classic, and where we had been so far in this series, um, and knowing that you can't cover everything, for me, um, learning how to live into the fullness of what it means to be an adopted son or daughter of God had been a, an important part of my own faith journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see it so often in so many of the people that I interact with who do, they live like functional orphans. They, they don't live like they've got a, a strong and confident um, Heavenly Father. And so I just felt like I had to make a choice between those two. And I, I just, I landed on the just wanting to go with the idea of being adopted into God's family and, uh, and, and just felt like that would be an important p- 
part for uh, to cover, even though I knew I wouldn't be able to cover everything. I just felt like, well, that was that was something I could preach on with some passion. Yeah, and I felt like would be relevant to uh, to people. Yeah, yeah, and 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 where I ended up landing, you know, was. Uh, n- not so much talking about Paul's weakness. I, I mentioned it. I, I-, I preached on uh, a little bit later in the past. I pick up some of the orphan or, or the adoption piece um, in a change of status way, but uh, didn't s- didn't center on that. I I really picked up the the, the part about the the patterns of of behavior and the patterns of the life of the Galatians before they met Christ. Um, and then after they met Christ, and then now that they they have uh, been 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 kind of indoctrinated by the Judaizer teachers, that they're 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 reverting back to old patterns of behavior, trying to earn their salvation. Um, and and to me, I, I um, when I looked at that, one of the things that was compelling. I mentioned it when I preached in the classic service the week before, um, but wanted to pick up that piece a little bit in the vine. Uh, in Vine this past week is that, you know, we 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 have these sinful patterns, and some of them are very obvious mm-hmm. sinful patterns. Uh, yeah. Some of them are very obvious patterns of behavior that 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 distance us from God, um, and then some of them, which which are like in the in the Galatians case, they're they're not always obvious sinful patterns, um, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to get people to dig on both sides of that equate that both sides of that um, that piece is really really important um, yeah important to me yeah. uh, so and and again we talked about this a little bit it's one of the benefits of our um, the team preaching uh, yeah. be- because it's the the cool thing and, and we have a great team of people uh, behind the scenes uh, like David Bailey, our tech director, and 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 uh, and all the folks in Vine, and you know Mike and Jim and Lana. I mean, they, they do such a great job of capturing what 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 in a digital way and an electronic way, so people can go back and say, "Hey, I was in Vine. Now let's go back and listen to Kenny," which is what I did, you know. And mm-hmm. and and people can say, "Well, I was in Classic. Now let's go back and, and hear the the message from Vine." And they can get a yeah. really full picture of Galatians chapter four. Um, yeah. When you look at Galatians four, uh, in in the so we have basically one more week in the series. Um, we have uh, one more week in the series, but two more chapters, which that is going to be an interesting challenge for both of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Where do you see this this passage of scripture in the line? This you know, the, or this chapter overall, even the stuff that you didn't preach on, in the line of Paul's kind of uh, argumentation, you know, to to the Galatian people. Um, where do you see this like playing into his into his his strategy? That's you know what's the as part of his strategy. Where do you see this playing out? Well, at least two things that I noticed. Uh, one was it goes from um, kind of uh, straight up rebuke, and he's just kind of taken back in chapter one, and you can just tell he's just coming on strong right away with correction. Chapter two, it gets into the story of, of Peter and Peter's drift from the gospel and how Paul confronted him. And then chapter three, you know, it's this kind of reaching back into the Old Testament and he's just making this, he's just building this really strong case for 
the true gospel. And to me, in chapter at the end of three and, and chapter four, it, the the tone gets way more positive and soft. So he goes from it's it's one thing to talk about the status of God. We're no longer under the law. We're saved by grace through faith, but then to get into these this kind of warm, um, familial idea of adoption, like the, the the multiple benefits of being saved by grace, it's just such a more positive shift. And yeah. then when he begins to talk about his own weakness, um, once again he'd come on so strong, and it and it kind of asserted his authority as a true prophet. I mean, a, a true apostle. And then, and then he begins to just remind them that when he came, you know, he had, he had come in weakness. Yeah. And, and that he, he wasn't, him. yeah. And, that, and that's how they received him. And, um, so, so I think, uh, to me that, that, that was a real shift in the, in the tone of his letter. And mm-hmm. I think it, that's going to continue in the sense that I think the, the chapters five and six are way more now kind of coaching them up and giving them, giving them tools and ideas on how, to live out the Christian life more fully. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 the the thing that's interesting to me, I, I yeah, I de- definitely to me, especially that the first you know the first twenty verses of Galatians four, there's this real this real kind of pastoral, and he even uses fatherly language about his own relationship with the Galatians. You're talking, or, or actually, really more maternal language you know verse 19 when he talks about the he's in the anguish of childbirth until christ is formed in you mm-hmm. you know um he, he he's he really kind of um almost nostalgically looks back at the time in which he shows up in galatia with this uh mis- this mystery ailment um when you look at you know kind of verses 13 and 14 um he is very he's much more pastoral and then the part that neither one of us got into which is probably the most difficult section in all the Galatians, <laughs> is that is that verse twenty one when he when he creates when he kind of does a, an allegorical look at the example of Hagar and Sarah, kind of going yeah, yeah. going back to the strategy of you know chapter three, looking at the the person of Abraham. Um, for those that are you know their biblical literacy is a little bit more lacking. Uh, Hagar is the uh, servant of Sarah. Sarah and Abraham have been promised a, a, a son uh, or a child, a son and heir to the promises of God. Uh, it's not happening. Sarah and Abraham are getting really old. And Sarah gives Hagar to Abram. Uh, and, of course, there's all sorts of issues with that. Uh, and so Paul uses this, and then ultimately Hagar gets kind of cast out, and Sarah has Isaac, and the, the promises of God, are, are they continue on. Really, really difficult passage to kind of uh, preach from. It uh, really takes a lot more uh, mm-hmm. intentional teaching. So Paul uses uh, this example, the story of Hagar and Sarah, um, allegorically, but he's doing it to kind of set up what happens in chapter five. And chapter five is w- really where he hones in on the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, and a lot of people, for, for a lot of people, the freedom piece is what Galatians is all about. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when you think about the idea between freedom and when Paul talks about slavery, um, 
where does your head go with that? Because um, I think it can go a lot of different directions, but where does your head go when we're talking about freedom that we have in Jesus versus slavery? Well, I think in, I think the way people tend to think about that is that, well, I have freedom in Christ, which means I can, I can, I no longer have to, it, it, it no longer matters what I do or don't do or whether I obey God's laws or don't obey God's laws. It's all by grace. And I think some people can cheapen it and, and kind of abuse the idea where Paul is all about freedom. Um, but when he gets into chapter five and six, it, it really becomes like a, a freedom to relate to the law in the way God always intended, which was that we would be, we'd be compelled and motivated by the spirit who lives in us to um, obey the law for the right reasons and to see that our, our very heart attitudes and motivations are being changed by grace to, to want to do the things God calls us to do. Um, And so I think that's one big difference that, as opposed to the slavery of that slavery is only associated with the law versus the the lack of motivation to even do it i mean that's partly what we're being freed from is the the unwillingness the there there's no desire to follow the law yeah yeah and the 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 thing that that i think you and i both talked about we we talked about this as we were kind of heading into chapter 5 and 6 is that Paul has been really concerned about the Galatians getting the gospel right, that it's not, you don't earn your salvation, you don't earn your your spot in the family of God, it's given to you by grace. Um, But at the same time, uh, being part of the family of God, being saved by grace, should yield uh, some sort of a a, a result in your life. It should change who you are. And so that's kind of where, where I think um, when Paul uses that Hagar and Sarah example, he's setting the stage for this change. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's going to be really interesting as we get into to chapter 5. Yeah, I think it'll round it out because I think, once again, I think it's uh, people who have kind of a mature, fully filled out view of the Christian life probably feel like this has been a little lopsided like we're just we're we're so talking about grace and it's not by works and all this sort of thing that there's the kind of like this anxiety that a a few people have expressed to me like yeah but yeah isn't isn't the true experience of grace supposed to result in a changed life and i'm like chill out yes it does and paul gets there yeah and that's where he gets in five and six so to me it just really rounds it all out so i think it's going to be a neat way to kind of fill out the full picture of what the gift of the gospel is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's why we do sermon series, and we yeah. ask people to join us the whole way, because it's not—I I don't think we've presented—I think we've presented uh, we've presented what uh, Paul has written, or what God has inspired Paul to write in Galatians, and, and we've, we've worked according to his strategies, what God's yep. given him. And uh, Paul's kind of, I think— He's really good at ramping up his. Uh, he, he's good at ramping up to the climax, and we're going to get yeah. to the climax next week. Uh, not that the gospel itself isn't the climax of everything; it is. But what does the gospel do? Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it leads to change and transformation. Yeah. Well, Kenny, thanks so much for uh, taking some time away from your uh, little vacation away and uh, talking talking with me a little bit. 
And uh, next week you'll be back here uh, in the armchair of Armchair Preaching, and we yep. will be finishing up the series on Galatians chapter 5. So we, we look forward to it. Thanks a lot, man. Awesome. Have a great week. All right, man. You too. Talk to you soon. See you.